Our first reading comes to us from Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 25 through 27. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. The epistle comes from Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 11. Dead to sin, alive in Christ. What shall we say, then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were, therefore, buried with him through baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we have been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty waters. The Lord blesses his people with peace. Hallelujah. Holy Gospel this morning is recorded in Mark chapter 1, beginning at verse 4. And so John came, baptizing in the desert region, and preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me will come one more powerful than I, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy 
to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan River. As Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Here ends the Gospel reading. Well, good morning. You have no clue who I am, do you? (laughs) Sometimes I don't either. It's nice to have you come up this morning. It's very brave of you to walk all the way down that aisle and not stumble on the carpet, make it up the stairs, and come up to hear the word of Jesus. Today is a very special day in the church, the calendar of the church. Do you have any idea what we're celebrating today or what we're observing today? Not really. Do you? (laughs) Some of you do. Today we're celebrating the baptism of Jesus. Jesus was baptized. Did you know that? Were you baptized? You were? Do you have a little certificate at home that that tells uh, when you were baptized and where you were baptized? Do you have something like that at your house? Yeah. I was baptized a very long time ago because I'm very old. I'm as old as lots of people here. Did you know that? I was baptized in Frankenmuth, Michigan by my pastor back then. That's a long, long time ago. But you know what? The baptism that my pastor did for me when my parents brought me up as a baby still sticks with me today. Because on that day, I was called to be a child of God by the water of baptism. So if you're baptized, you're a child of God too. Were you baptized in this church? Were you? Were you baptized at that font over there? That's a beautiful font. And the font is kind of a picture of the Jordan River where John baptized Jesus. And that's what we're celebrating today, the baptism of Jesus. John was Jesus' cousin. Do you have cousins? Do you guys have cousins? Do you ever see your cousins? Do they live close to you here or do they live far away? Do you have any that live super far away? No? I have a cousin that lives in Florida. That's pretty far. John was Jesus' cousin. And John was called by God to speak the word of God and to prepare the way for God's people to bring Jesus. And Jesus came to see John to be baptized by him in the Jordan River. Now Jesus didn't have, was Jesus a sinner? Did he have sins? No, he didn't have sins of his own. But you know, on the day that he was crucified, whose sins did he take with him to the cross? Ours, yeah. Yeah, Pastor Blaine has taught you well. Yeah. He took your sins and mine, and everybody's here, and every, all the people of all time, and put them to death on, in, on the cross. 
and then what happened the next couple of days later. He rose from the grave. Right. Yes. And in his death and resurrection, all of our sins have been forgiven and taken away. And that's why I want you to have I want to have you remember today when you go back to where do you go next? I have to find, figure out where you go next. Maybe they'll stay up here. <laughs> you go back to your seats with your family? Okay. Well, thanks for coming up. And I have a picture for you. Uh, it's, it's an authentic photograph of John baptizing Jesus in the Jordan River. And you can just color it in. Actually, it's not authentic. Okay, thanks for coming up, guys and gals, and uh, you can go back to your seats. Well, grace to you and peace from God, our Heavenly Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. It's nice to see the children. Children are always uh, able to bring a smile to your face, even if they have no clue who you are. And when you dress up like I'm dressed up today, it's even more complicated. But uh, I appreciate your warm welcome. And I will be with you in the next four, three, uh, three Sundays following this. And I uh, look forward to preaching the gospel to you and teaching your Bible class. And I thank God for the opportunity. And uh, many of you have been so very welcoming of my wife and me. And uh, I'm glad to be here uh, in Pastor Blaine's pulpit. He and I are about the same age. So why he's not here and why I am, because I'm retired, I am. <laughs> anyway, uh, I asked you this, this question to begin. When was the last time that you were in a situation where you said, at least maybe not out loud, but in your own mind, it's not fair. It just isn't fair. I think we think that a lot when we watch what goes on around us in our own lives. There was a Bible teacher a number of years ago. His name was R.C. Sproul, and he was a professor at a theological university, and he tells this story about an Old Testament class that he was teaching, and there were 250 students in the class. That's a lot of students. And he, here's what he reported about this particular incident. His course required three short papers that had to be written throughout the length of the class. He said, I insisted the first one be on my desk by noon the last day of September. No exceptions. No paper at noon. Automatic failing grade. Automatic F. On September 30th, all but 25 students turned their papers in, on time. The 25 that didn't pleaded their case and used all the excuses that freshmen can come up with in their minds. And so Dr. Sproul relented, and he gave them an extra day. The next paper he assigned to the same group of students was due by noon on the last day of October. This time, all but 50 students turned their papers in on time. 
He said they were using the old midterm excuse. And so these 50 kids were begging for the professor's mercy. And once again, he relented. Okay, he said, but this is the last time. No excuses. Can you guess what happened at the end of November? You're absolutely right. No papers from a hundred students. Where are your papers? He asked. Don't worry, professor. We'll get them to you as soon as we can. No problem. The professor grabbed his grading book. He began, down, began writing down the names. Johnson. F. Smith. F. And with a collective fury, the students cried out, That's not fair. Don't worry. The students cried out, It's just not fair. And so the professor looked at one of these students and said this, I'm changing that grade to an F also. Anybody else want justice? You see, the students had a mistaken understanding. They they mistook the professor's mercy for fairness and being just. Now today, we recall, as I told the young children up here, we recall John's baptism of Jesus in the Jordan River. And I think today you and I can be thankful with all humility that Jesus, God's beloved Son, brings not only justice, but perfect justice. Jesus' baptism in the Jordan River is really quite important to you and me today. You and I are his people. We too, I suspect most, if not all of you, have been baptized as well, Four children that were up here this morning, they were. And it was at the Jordan River where the true identity of Jesus was ultimately revealed to the people. He's God's Son. He's God's beloved Son, with whom the Father is well pleased. Jesus was filled with the full power of God through the Holy Spirit. The Spirit was present that day in that place, in that river, in the form of a dove. A dove that landed on the top of Jesus' head. God's Son is the Word made flesh. And as the Word made flesh, He came to dwell among us, among sinful mankind, both the Son of God and the child of Mary the promised Messiah of which the ancient prophets all spoke about, all pointed people's eyes of faith toward. I guess one could say that Jesus' baptism was a bit of an epiphany, a revelation, a showing forth, a telling of who he was. It was an epiphany of his mission, 
which proclaimed as well by those ancient prophets. Jesus came, the prophet Isaiah said, for a number of reasons. To bring good news to the poor in spirit. You know who that is? It's you and me. He came to bind up the spiritually brokenhearted. You know who that is? You and me. He came to proclaim liberty to those held captive by sin and by Satan. You know who's been set free? You and me. He came to release from spiritual prison those who sit in the darkness of sin. You know who that is? That's you and me. And he came to faithfully bring forth God's perfect justice in the earth through his son Jesus. Our Lord was baptized by John with what is called a baptism of repentance. A simpler way to put it is a sinner's baptism. A baptism that prepares sinners like you and me to stand before the face of a holy God, a righteous God. Baptism that fully identified Jesus and then united, with, united him with those that he came to save. You know who that is? That's you and me. Let's make no bones about it. God, as God, is a just judge. And he judges impartially. The sad fact of the matter is, dear friends in Christ, that your sin and mine must be dealt with. What does the Apostle Paul write in Romans? The wages of sin is what? Is what? Yeah. Not physical death so much as eternal death. This just and holy and righteous God has good reason to condemn each and every one of us. We're helpless in the end. We can't do that for ourselves. Only God does that for us in Jesus Christ. Jesus was led into the water, the Jordan River, for you and for me. And in being led into the Jordan River, he was set on a path that one day would lead him directly to the cross of Calvary, there to atone for your sins and mine as well. The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world endured himself the righteous justice of God in your place and in my place. And our filthy, dirty unrighteousness is now covered by God's grace, covered by the beautiful blood-bought righteousness of Jesus Christ. The just judge mercifully declares you to be not guilty. What does he declare you to be? Not guilty. And he does so by reason of Jesus Christ and his suffering and his death in your place. Someone has said that Jesus was baptized into 
the pollution of our sin so that in our own baptism, the day we were brought to the font, that we might be washed clean, that we might cleansed and be reborn, born again as new people, a new creation. You know, it's not fair. We don't deserve it. But it is just, and it is God in his mercy acting on your behalf and mine. Jesus entered into the Jordan to be baptized by John for all people of all time. Jesus died for all people of all time. And he willingly suffered God's righteous and just punishment for everyone. Including who? Can you say me? Meaning you and not me? (laughs) Yeah. He went to the cross. He hung there, suffered, cried out to his father. And he died. And he ended up in a rock-hewn tomb. In the eyes of the one who executes God's perfect justice, as Paul writes, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For all are one in Christ. We collectively today as we are gathered here in the house of God, united with all faithful believers around the world, are one with Christ. Jesus graciously accepts all who fear and love and trust in him, who by God's grace have faith in him and who seek to do what's right because of that faith that they have been given as a gift. In the wonder of the Epiphany event, John's baptism of Jesus, you and I get a glimpse into God's perfect justice. Reverend John Pless describes it in this way. Sinners came to John's baptism. You remember that John the Baptist was baptizing in the Jordan River. Sinners came to John's baptism to take their sins and our sins on himself or to get rid of their sins. Jesus came to take our sins on himself. And in doing so, Jesus' baptism marked him for a sinner's death on a cross. You see, Jesus' baptism is a baptism into our sin so that he might take it upon him and answer for it in your place. Now, is that fair? No. But it's just. And it's holy. And it's righteous in the eyes of God. And so like Sproul's freshman students, we who are God's children through baptism into Christ's death and resurrection, we're often tempted to take God's mercy for granted. Like those students did. We mistakenly assume that because we're God's children, we ought to be completely insulated from the tragedies and the injustices of life as it unfolds around us. And when they come, we're often tempted to cry out 
God, I'm one of yours. I've tried my best to follow you. I go to church all the time, and this is what happens to me? It's not fair. It's unjust. Is God fair? Is God fair? If being fair means giving us exactly what we deserve, then thank God, no, he's not fair. He's more than fair. He's merciful. He's just. He gives us what we don't deserve. In Christ, he offers you and me the forgiveness of our sins instead of the condemnation of our eternal souls. Hope is what he offers us instead of despair. And I pray that none of us would ever be given to harbor the bitter feeling that God hasn't dealt with us fairly or justly. Rather, may we each learn to experience fresh every day the wonderful grace and mercy of our loving Heavenly Father who sets us free free to love and to serve others as impartially and unconditionally as we are loved and served by Jesus. Because in the end, you see the one who's standing in the Jordan River is also the one hanging on Calvary's cross. And praise the Lord, the one walking out of the tomb in His resurrection. May God bless you with faith to trust Him, to trust His ways, because they are always just. They are always fair. They are always in view of your eternal future. God grant it for Jesus' sake. Amen. And now may the peace of God that passes all human understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.